The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, Join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome to House Calls. This is a special House Calls we're having this afternoon. It's a special week because we're honoring America's heroes, our military veterans, the men and women who have served in uniform on November 11th, Veterans Day. That's a very special day. And a lot of times people confuse Veterans Day with other holidays like Memorial Day and Armed Forces Day. And you sort of wonder, well, what's the difference? Well, Veterans Day is intended to honor men and women who have served in uniform. Memorial Day honors the men and women in uniform who died while on active duty and Armed Forces Day is to honor the men and women in uniform who are currently on active duty so just so you're aware but this show is dedicated to our veterans and as I do this I'd like to start off with my honorable mentions the first one Come on. is uh, I want to honor the memory of my late cousin Jude Mariano. He died over 10 years ago on active duty in the Air Force. He died overseas and left behind his widow, Annie, and three children. So may he rest in peace, and we still remember his memory. I gave his eulogy in California, and it was a very painful time because... His father, my Uncle Ben, had also served in the military as well as his brother and most of the relatives there. I also want to mention a special honorable mention to my father, Angel Mariano Sr., who lives in San Diego, California. My dad is 93 years old. He's a retired Navy Master Chief, and he lives with my brother, Angel Jr., who uh, served in the U.S. Navy for six years and left the Navy after he completed his time uh, as a lieutenant as a nuclear power engineer. So my honorable mentions to them. So as you can tell, military service and the Navy are a very big part of my life. I wouldn't be here speaking to you today, speaking in English from a studio in Arizona, had it not been for the U.S. Navy. When I look back at our history, Filipinos have been serving in the U.S. Navy since the 1900s, and that's when President McKinley issued an executive order allowing about 500 Filipinos at that time to enlist. It was a special act in which they allowed uh, these Filipinos, in the Philippines obviously, to enlist through the Philippine Enlistment, Enlistment Program as foreign nationals without them being required to be U.S. immigrants. And so that encouraged them to join the military and ultimately become American citizens. And when that act was uh, brought into uh, effectiveness, my father's uncles in the Philippines joined in the early 1920s, <clears throat> followed by my father and then his six brothers. And then the six brothers and their family, uh, their children followed suit. So each generation followed. 
So in the Mariano family alone, there were several firsts in the U.S. military. My father's cousin, Sharit Mariano Perkheiser, she was one of the earliest uh, Filipino women to become an army officer. My father's cousin, Marciano Mariano, served in the White House as a valet to three presidents, starting with Eisenhower, Kennedy, and then Johnson. He was uh, there at the White House in uh, the 1960s when President Kennedy was there, and that's when I got my first tour of the White House, coming through the back door kitchen, and he was there when President Kennedy was assassinated. In addition, my uncle Marciano Mariano was the first Filipino-American in the Navy to become a warrant officer. And I was the first in our family and among Filipino-Americans to become a rear admiral in the U.S. Navy. Many generations after our family have served in the Navy, Army, and Air Force. And by marriage, we have family members who served in the Marines and the Coast Guard. So. If I tally up all the years of service of my father's uncles, my father and his brothers, and all the children in our family following that generation, it is over 200 years of combined service to the U.S. military that our family has served. So we may look Asian to you, but if you cut us, we bleed red, white, and blue, guys. So my story I want to share today is that of a veteran. I was born, typical Navy brat, I was born in a Navy hospital in Sangley Point in the Philippines, which was a military base at that time. My father was a first class petty officer, mess specialist. And when he joined the Navy then, if you were of color, if you were Filipino, Chinese, African American, you were automatically assigned in the mess specialty or steward category, which means in my father's case, you worked as a houseboy. You didn't work in a leadership position, you were pretty much servant classification. So he was very blessed to do that. He was very poor, and that's how he made his way to the United States. He came in as a steward. He was stationed in Sangley Point, where he had joined the Navy in uh, the 1950s, and he served in the home of Vice Admiral Hugh Goodwin, who was a commanding officer at the time. He was actually a four-star admiral. He was submarines and aviator, both fields, both specialties. Admiral Goodwin, very much in a lot of ways, was a father figure to my father. And Admiral Goodwin was married to Eleanor Goodwin. And she, by history, I recall them telling me about her, was a very refined woman. She was the daughter of a San Francisco physician. And when I was born in 1955, Mrs. Goodwin wanted to be my godmother, but because she was not Catholic, my father didn't want to disappoint her. So he went to the hospital after I was born and asked that Eleanor's name be added to my birth certificate. Now, at the time I was born, my mother wanted to give me the first name of Concepcion, as in the Immaculate Conception, to honor the Blessed Virgin Mary. So my father, in his good intent to please the admiral's wife, who he was also taking care of at that time, asked that Eleanor be added to the birth certificate. So when my parents ultimately saw my birth certificate, it had my name as Eleanor Concepcion Mariano. And they were a little bit shocked why Admiral Goodwin's name got his wife's name got top billing. But I realized years later, that's very typical in the military. The admiral's wife gets top billing. And in this case, her name got top billing over the mother of God. So that was quite interesting. So a lot of people don't know me as Eleanor. That's my formal name. 
in terms of certification processes. It's funny, when people call my office and they'll talk to the people in my office and say, well, is Eleanor there? And they'll ask, my staff will say, well, who are you? And they said, well, I'm a really close friend of hers. And they'll say, uh, no, you're not, because you don't realize that, that Eleanor is not her name that she uses. So I grew up in a military family. My father worked his way up the ranks as an enlisted man, and he retired after close to 30 years of active duty with the highest enlisted rank of Master Chief. We moved every two to three years, and I was very typical. My father's last duty station in 1970 was North Island, San Diego. When we got there, we had only been there a few weeks, Washington, D.C. called, and the detailer who assigns the enlisted as well as officer personnel where to go had said that they wanted to change his orders, even though he had just gotten to San Diego, and were going to transfer him to Camp David, Maryland to run the mess, or in other words, the uh, the quarters and the mess, the chow hall, and the accommodations there. And my father didn't want to go. He had just moved to California, had just moved us there. We had just started high school. So we refused. He says, if you force me to go to Camp David, I'm just going to put in my retirement papers. And so the detailer said, listen, we'll, we'll leave you where you are. You stay there. You finish your time. And so he didn't move us. Little did we know that ultimately, 22 years later, I would wind up at Camp David as my job at the White House. You, it's quite interesting that happened. So I served in the military 24 years active duty, and that came to be because I went to the military medical school in Bethesda as a medical school. And part of that, <clears throat> going to the military medical school, is you are required to pay back time. You don't pay for your education. You pay back in terms of your time in service. So. Part of my time of active duty was they counted my four years active duty at the military medical school, the year of internship in residency, uh, the two years of residency, year of internship. I spent two years on board at Destroyer Tender, of which six months was in the Pacific Ocean, and then three and a half years of Port Wyneme, California, running a clinic there, and then two years back to Naval Hospital San Diego. And then in 1991, got, no, got nominated for the position at the White House, of which I spent the last nine years of my active duty time there. So it's really unusual to spend nine years in one duty station. Most military folks move every two to three years. I retired in 2001 with the rank of Rear Admiral, and I was very blessed to have done that. I moved to Arizona to work at the Mayo Clinic. And it's quite, I think, quite meaningful to me that Twelve years ago on Veterans Day this week, I formed my private practice, uh, the Center for Executive Medicine in Scottsdale, Arizona. And this private practice, concierge practice, continues and grows, continues to thrive and grow today. Uh, I am obviously the owner of it, the only physician. In addition to myself, the uh, my right-hand man is Jim McLeod, who is an Air Force veteran, senior master sergeant, independent duty corpsman from the White House. I had recruited him from the White House. He has about 25 years of active duty service. He is a veteran. And in addition to Jim, the other veteran that I'm bringing on board on Monday is Lauren Siniskalki, who has served six years in the military as a nurse practitioner. So she's coming to be my nurse practitioner. I met Lauren over 20-some years ago, 25 years ago, when she was four years old, when her mother, General Kim Siniskalki, was stationed at the White House. So we are one big family here in the military. But when we honor our veterans, we have to realize we also honor their families who really sacrifice in order 
for the family member to serve. So during my military time, I was very fortunate to have had two wonderful sons while I was on active duty. My oldest son, Andrew, who's 30 years old, uh, I gave birth to him when I was stationed at Port Wyneme. And then Jason, my youngest son, was born 28 years ago, also when I was at Port Wyneme. That was a good time to have kids because I worked in a clinic and I wasn't deployed on board ship and it was pretty steady schedule there. So I, you look at the transfer of time and what happens, but I'm very fortunate to have my son Jason Stevens calling in today from Minneapolis. He works in Minneapolis where he works for Target. He grew up as a Navy brat and he got used to moving pretty frequently with us as a family. He lived in three states and he can remember living in seven different houses. Along with learning how to adapt to ever-changing environments, he developed a pretty deep admiration for life of service and his desire to follow one's calling. He has a bachelor's degree in business management from ASU, Arizona State University. And after he had earned that degree, he decided to follow his passion of playing bass guitar to tour with a Christian rock band. And that chapter of his life took him to countless shows in nearly 20 different states. But he grew tired of that, of being on the road. He decided to work for one of his favorite companies, which is Target, which is one of my favorite companies. He made that move over three years ago to Target headquarters in Minneapolis, Minnesota, we call it, Minnesota, and he currently resides there, and he manages an e-commerce guest service team. So welcome aboard, Jason. I I'm, thank you for, for coming on board our show today. I've got a few minutes here before we go to a break, but I'm just going to make it easy for you. As you look back at your time as a military brat, can you share how it's changed you? great to be on the show. Um, in regards to how it's changed me, I think that growing up, there's always a lot of uncertainty that you have. You're not really quite sure as a kid where we're going to be moving, uh, what, what school you're going to be in, if you're going to fit in, you know, really how long we're going to be, um, you know, in that situation and always kind of a sense of, of wondering where you belong and trying to find that home since you're, you know, it's kind of at the mercy of the military. Mm -hmm. And so what I think I've learned and what I've developed through being a Navy brat, which I think is a really funny title because mm -hmm. most uh, Navy brats I know are really well behaved. Right. They're not <laughs> but, brats at all. They're pretty nice kids. <laughs> right. They're, they're pretty good. So maybe we should change that name, but I'm not going to mess with tradition. So um, but what I think I've learned is that um, being being um, in a Navy family and growing up is that you really have a, a deep admiration for our country. And I know that's really instilled a, a lot of um, respect for what our service members do. And it's really, in a lot of ways, challenged me to how, how can I be a really good steward of what's been given to me. Um, and it's really given me, I think, a, a really good mindset to be resilient. Um, because whenever you have challenges, um, you realize that there's really a lot we can do to overcome those. Um, so what I think it's really made me realize that whether I'm touring and I'm on the road and I'm in a different state every day and, and we're having to keep up with that or whether it's a big life move or a direction, that it made me realize growing up that if we were able to move to different places, if my mom was able to be stationed, if my mom was to be able to really be there for the president of the United States in all these different areas and support that, it really, I think, challenged me to step up my game that in what areas, whether I'm in the military or I'm working, um, you know, for Target, 
um, what can I be doing um, to really be a good steward of what's been given? Awesome. That was a great response, and I didn't even have to uh, coach you on that. I think you, you learn a lot in terms of flexibility, definitely, and and we never get a chance to really thank you a lot for, you know, no, you didn't sign up for it. You are just part of the, the gig when you were born into a family that was military, but I think you learned to just be resilient as you have been, and you've done well. So, hey, Jay, thanks for calling in. I know you got to get back to work there. You're, you're working hard. So I'll see you over uh, in a couple of weeks when you come out to visit, okay? So thanks for calling in, Jason. You're welcome. See you soon. All right. So we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, I'm going to interview an old comrade of mine from my White House days, who I think in a lot of ways is my Army hero guy. He's worked very hard in his career in the Army, career veteran, and just an amazing person. And that's Glenn Powell. So stay tuned for the next part of our show in a few minutes to listen in as I interview uh, Sergeant First Class Glenn Powell, and he'll tell us about his book. So stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. How is your relationship with your partner? Could you be closer and more connected? Though many stressors that impact couples may be unavoidable, being able to navigate whatever comes your way can make all the difference in the level of happiness in your partnership. To stay close and connected to your partner, you'll want to check out Coupled Up with hosts Karen Collins Achetti and Max Achetti. Broadcasting live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Thanks for coming back. We are honoring our nation's veterans today. And as a veteran, of which I'm very proud of not only having the opportunity and honor to have served, but also honoring my family who are American veterans, but I'm particularly touched and honored to have, as my call-in guest today, calling in from Virginia, I, a dear friend of mine and somebody who was in the trenches with me at the White House, and that is Sergeant First Class Glenn Powell. Glenn's on the other line, but let me tell you a little, let me brag about him a little bit. He is a native of Toledo, Ohio. He enlisted into the United States Army in 1982. He retired in 2002, and during his military career, he served as a heavy vehicle driver, a squad leader, and a non-commissioned officer. In 1991, Staff uh, Sergeant First Class Powell joined the George Herbert Walker Bush White House as a chauffeur. You can tell some really good stories about that. And in 1992, was promoted to transportation coordinator for the White House Press Corps, even juicier stories, serving in the Clinton administration. In December 1995, he served the duties of transportation supervisor for Air Force One. And in January 2001, during his service under President George Walker Bush, uh, Glenn Powell was transferred to the White House Military Office, Customer Support, and Organizational Development, where he served as Deputy Director until he retired from the Army. He shares the story of his fascinating military career and very inspiring life story in his newly published memoir entitled My Last Baggage Call Aboard Air Force One, A Journey of Sacrifice, Service, Family, and Friendship. And it is a great read. I'm going to mention it again at the end of uh our interview. If you want to order your book, you can go on to PayPal to order it, or you can go to Glenn's Facebook page under Glenn G L G L E N N Powell P O W E L L author, and go into that on Facebook. Order your book because it's a fascinating read about behind the scenes at the White House, but most important about this man's incredible life. So, welcome, Glenn. Thanks for calling into my show today. Thank you, Dr. Connie, for having me on. It's 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 pretty cool to be able to talk to you after all these years and all the things we've both been going through. It's been quite a journey that we've experienced, and you've had you've had a life of uh, you know people look at you and they go, oh, you had a glamorous life. You flew on Air Force One. You were with all these presidents, but you had a tough beginning, didn't you? It wasn't easy all the way, was it? Oh yes, I did. It was a um, tough 
beginning, but you know, I I made the sacrifice uh, to join the military. What got you? What got you deciding into going into the army? Well, it was my to take care of my young infant son at that time. Uh, I. Uh, most people in where I'm from in Toledo, they worked in the factories, and I just didn't want to do that type of work. I knew the military would provide better opportunities for me. And so, when you joined the army, had you decide what did you decide to do? How did you get into the transportation business, or did they guide you into what field you were going to go into? Well, at that time, they guided me to three fields. One was a cook, two was the <laughs> infantry, and three was transportation. So I figured I would be a better uh, person for transportation than I would being a cook or being in the infantry because I, I knew I didn't want to do a lot of field duty. And then when you got into that, how did you ultimately wind up at the White House? Well, what happened was I was working for Entscom at Fort Belvoir, and a friend of mine, Maurice Perry, I took his job over as a chauffeur driving for a two-star general at that time. And he went to the White House, and he said, hey, after you've been there a year, I'll bring you on. So after a year, I went for an interview over at White House Transportation Agency, and they ended up hiring me, and uh, three months later, I left my job at Enscom and went to the White House. Now, did you think you would last that long at the White House? Aren't you surprised how long you were there? <laughs> uh, yes, I was very surprised because the average tour of duty was three years with a one-year option to extend. I did ten and a half years. <laughs> you stayed longer than I did. I was there nine years because a typical White House doctor tour now is three years. Why, why do you think you stayed so long, Glenn? Why do you think they kept you around so long? Because uh, I not only uh, was doing a job, I love what I do. When you love what you do, you have no problem at all uh, enjoying it. And I was always a person that uh, helped people. I can I can vouch for that. Glenn was always you always had a smile on your face, no matter how hard the work, no matter how exhausted we were on the road. We traveled everywhere with you, and you always had a smile on your face. And you always are like the guy who said, "I can do it. We can do this." You never said no, can't do it. You, I mean, that's the thing that always impressed me was always you had such a great attitude. And I also think because you were discreet for somebody like you to be able to drive celebrities and generals and people. I mean, you pretty much, you didn't leak information, did you? Oh, not at all, not at all, because as my boss used to tell me, that's why they gave you a security clearance. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there must have been some tough parts about the military life for you. I mean, when you look back, what were the hardest things about that? Well, really, for me, the hardest things was being away from my family for extended periods and, you know, missing my children and missing, you know, going to the school and seeing school plays and seeing them play football and swimming and things like that. But, you know, you married into the military. Can you tell us about your wife, Rhonda? Yes. Uh, Rhonda, I met her in Germany in 1990. Uh, she came over there as a private, and I was an E-5, and we met in Mannheim. Uh, I ended up leaving there, and I came to Fort Belvoir, and she went to Fort Dix, New Jersey. I told her one day that I was tired of coming to a empty barracks, <laughs> and we needed to get married. <laughs> That's so romantic. 
<laughs> How many years have you two been married now? We've been married 26 years married, but 29 together. Wow. But was how was the Army like in the beginning? Would they try to station you guys together? Because you have well, two active duty service people. Yes, yes, they did. Uh, what she had to do, she had to follow my career. Mm-hmm. Because at that time, I was an E6 and she was an E4. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we did a Diddy move from Fort Dix up to here. Mm-hmm. So as long as I was stationed here, she was stationed here. And she ended up uh, being stationed at the White House, too. She works at uh, White House Communications. Mm-hmm. So you, you were able to see each other more often, right? Yes, we were. That was, you know, actually probably that was your best tour to be able to be close to her and see her, you know, to, to, manage, to manage that. That's pretty tough. Well, what, who raised the kids? I mean, if you're active duty, if you're deployed, she's active duty. What did you do for child care? We had a good support system. Uh, we had some friends that would watch the kids because I'm going to tell you, once Rhonda went to White House Communications, she, she ended up going out on the road on AV. Yeah, so we were uh, on some trips together. <laughs> so but we had a great support system here in the rear. Yeah, you got to. Did any of your boys join the military? Uh, no, they didn't. They did not. They, they didn't want to join the military. They, you know, that, that life was not for them. You know, it's interesting. I I look at my two sons, and I was in most of their life, you know, growing up. And when uh, I retired, they were 12 and 14. You know, uh, they they were pretty young, 12 and 14. But they've been surrounded by military most of their growing up years. And my youngest son, Jason, had an interest in the Air Force briefly. But I think they everybody wanted to go into the private sector. Right. You know, when you look at... Your life, how, how did it change you? How did the military change you, Glenn? Uh, the military, it forced me to grow up, you know, quickly and reinforced a lot of the values that was instilled by my parents and uh, the people I've met throughout my military life. It grounded and shaped me into the man I am today. Now, do you, can you name some of the mentors, the people who, who made a huge impact and, and what how they did that in your life? Well, I can tell you, uh, Sergeant Major Fletcher Walker, uh, he's now deceased, but he was one of my big mentors. And uh, Sergeant First Class Dave Horn, he was also a mentor of mine uh, in the military that shaped me and molded me. What lessons do they teach you? Uh, A lot of things about life. it taught me, again, to, to uh, grow up, to take care of my family, to be a solid citizen. Mm-hmm. You know, and you are. I think what's impressive is the things that where you came from, your, your beginnings, and how you wound up later. Is that a surprise to you, how things turned out? Yes, it did, because I had told somebody one day I never, ever expected that I would be working at the White House, being in the military. I mean, and, and yeah. you know, it was just a, a big surprise and shock to me. Well, you know, when, when the president first na- lady know you by your first name, right? I mean, when I look yes, back, and, yeah, I mean, yes, and that is also a wonderful thing uh, when they can call you by your first name and know you. <laughs> I look back at your reputation, and and you were, you know, people think, well, you're the bat, you know, we call baggage call. And can you tell people what that means? A lot of people don't know what baggage call is means. Can you share? Yes, baggage call is when you set a time 
for people to put their bags outside of their hotel room door, and I, uh, me and my team come by and pick it up so it can be loaded on the airplane. On Air Force One, right? So, And it's got to be yeah. scanned and checked over for you know, explosives and things to make sure it's safe. But, you know, people's bags are are very important to them. And you know how it is, like, if something's missing. Have you ever lost a bag? Uh, no, I have not. And uh, I'm, I can coin a phrase to a good friend of mine, Chris Ensko. He said, if a bag was up in the tree, Glenn would find it. <laughs> but I think a, a lot to be said of how trusted you were, that you are entrusted with the luggage of the First Lady. I mean, if, if you lose her luggage, her purse or anything, I mean, I think they would, like, court-martial you, wouldn't they? Would they hang you oh, or something? Oh, I mean, there's, oh, yes. You cannot lose <laughs> the First Lady. I track of everything. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I know that when we're on the road, you, you know, you've got like an early morning baggage call. We put all our suitcases, whatever we bring, and there's no weight limit. You've you've loaded up, my goodness, rugs for me from from um, Turkey when we were traveling, all these interesting things. And then they wind up in your hotel room. I mean, that's like magic, right? You guys should have been magic that it would just appear. Yeah, then, again, you're, you're talking about anywhere between three to 400 pieces of luggage. Oh, my gosh. And you have to make sure it's in the right place at the right time. Because, again, it's nothing like coming to your room after a long day and you can't take a shower. Right, right. All, you know, all the travel we did, all the countries we've been to on the plane and on the go. And I think as you look back about the personalities of people you've met, can you look back and all the amazing people you've met and celebrities and leaders and just all the, the things that have happened in a historic time that you got to witness on those trips? Yes, back. yes. It was a lot of uh, people. And I tell you, it's very interesting. And I tell people all the time, you know, being around the president is a great thing because all of those guys are smart. They're, they're very smart. And uh, I learned a lot from a lot of them. How many presidents have you served? And, and each the ones that you have, can you tell us a little bit about them, what memories you have about them? Uh, yes, Bush 41, uh, senior. Uh, the good thing with him was when we used to go to Kenny Buckport, and he would love to play horseshoes with us. And uh, we had a great time. And uh, President Clinton... Uh, it was great serving him, and uh, we used to uh, love to go to Arkansas. When we go to Little Rock on vacation, uh, had fun with him. He would play cards with us on the airplane. He'd just come back, talk to us, and, and just have fun. Wasn't that sort of a shock? The President of the United States, you're on Air Force One, comes back to your compartment, plays cards with you, and hangs out with you guys? <laughs> yes, yes, it was, but you know, he was a down-to-earth yeah. person, yeah. and uh, as far as uh, Bush 43 at that time, I was the Deputy Director of Customer Service and Organizational Development. I saw him on numerous times because, again, we were promoting the military agenda, because, again, a lot of people don't know, when you come to the White House, there is no manual. The only people that are there that are constant are the military and the Secret Service. Right, right. Oh, so how do you learn? How do you learn the ways? I mean, what kind of advice would you give? Well, we uh, have a book that we had put together for the staff to tell them about the things that were available to them and how they could order uh, a car, how they could go to Camp David, 
how they go to the Navy mess and and go to the White House medical unit. We had things like that in place, and it was a great book. And uh, Dr. Gerald Suarez, mm-hmm. he was the author of the book, uh, the uh, manual that we put out for the military office. So if you can give advice, one piece of advice to people who want to go to the White House and do what you did, what kind of advice would you give them? The best advice I could give you was make sure you live your life right because you have to get a security clearance and anything and everything about you, they go through uh, for the Yankee White clearance. So, and that's the top secret clearance that you had, right? Yes. So when you look back, Glenn, at your military service, what, did, what would you like the listeners to know about that, about your time in the military? My, my, my time in the military was great. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I met my wife in the military. Uh, there's no place that I haven't been, and that was through uh, Air Force One. I've been around the world three times. I've been to all 50 states. I've been on six of the seven continents. Uh, it's, it's just been a great life. Well, I have no regrets. God bless you. You you have been incredible, and, you know, I have great memories of you and your service, and I know the former presidents are most appreciative, but most of all, thank you for your service as a veteran and your example. And I want the listeners out there to, to go online and to order your book. We're going to have that on our website as well so that they can order a book and read about your life story and look at the pictures and, and really just look, look to you as an example of that what the things that are possible to do in your life with a great attitude and, and working hard. So thanks again, buddy. Thanks again, Glenn, for, for being part of this show. And happy veterans to you, and God bless you. Thank you very much, and the same to you, Dr. Connie. You have a great day. You too. God bless. Take care. Bye. So we're going to take a break and then come on back in a few minutes, and we'll wrap up this special on our veterans. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. 
And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Who are you, really? Are you the person you want to be, or are you the person that others want you to be? Think about that. We don't always recognize our gifts and potential because we stick to old methods of being and do what others in our lives tell us. It's time to break through. Listen for Rediscovering the Magic of Being with Marja. Each program connects you back to whom you were meant to be every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to our special Veterans Day program. We had the honor today of speaking just recently or just now with Sergeant First Class Glenn Powell, who served at the White House during the time I was there. He served over 10 years. I served nine years. So we definitely overlapped during the Clinton years and uh, the eight years of President Clinton. And then he stayed on for President uh, President W. Bush. So it was incredible to hear his story and hear his his thoughts and observations about the military life. I was also very blessed in the first segment of my my show to briefly interview my son Jason about his perspective being the child of a military family and the things that he learned. And they were actually very positive things that that he learned. And so he didn't need a lot of therapy after growing up in our family and experiencing his mother who was gone all the, the time. But I, I want to talk a little bit more in looking back and reflecting about veterans and and how grateful I am <clears throat> to our country of, of being allowed to serve <clears throat> our country. And if you're a veteran out there listening, I want to thank you for your service. And I want you to please be proud of your service and the fact that you served. You definitely raised your hand and served our country. And if you're married to a veteran or a child of a veteran, thank you for your patience and your support of that family. We can't do what we do without knowing that the family is safe and on board and supportive of what we do. And if you're not a veteran, please acknowledge and be grateful for veterans because they risk not only 
their time and countless hours, but they they risk their lives. They die. They can die on the job knowing that they're one of the people like firefighters and police who go out on the job knowing and accepting that they may get killed doing their job. So this Veterans Day, as I reflect on my life in the military, I recall a lot of those recruiting slogans that they advertised about joining. One of the ones back in the day when I was entering the military was, it's not just a job, it's an adventure. Well, that's, that's for sure. The other is, be all you can be. Well, definitely so. So what did I learn from being a veteran? How do I apply these lessons to everyday life? How can you apply these? Well, there, there's these truisms, I think, these basic rules that I've learned from being in the military. And I'm going to share them with you. The first one is, is the, the belief that the mission comes first. The mission comes first. What is our purpose? What are we meant to do? What's our task? It's not about politics. It's not about polling. It's not about personality. It's not about the press. It's about what is our job, guys. That's what we focus on, our job. What is our mission? And my job in the medical corps was to take care of the active duty personnel, their, their family. And then when I was in the White House, my mission was to take care of the President of the United States, as well as the first family, the people who served with them, and then it extended beyond that. But number one, what is your mission? That's something in life. What is your mission in life now? My mission now, uh, being retired from the military and being in private practice, and now entering my 12th year of civilian private practice in my own business, is to take care of patients, very simply, take care of people, take care of my patients, regardless of politics or things that we may or disagree on. They're people, and I need to take care of them. The second is what we call our chain of command. And in the military, we have a rank structure among the enlisted and the officer personnel. And it's based on merit. It's based on time and service. And it's based on your specialty and what you do. And we respect each other. We respect the enlisted. We offer them due respect. They respect officer. We we look at people, and on your uniform, it has your rank structure, which dictates your pay grade. And it has your specialty, what you do. It has your medals. It has various symbolism, and um, we call it our ribbons, and various. You can look at a person, know where they've been stationed, and you can tell if they're squared away because they have a chest full of medals. That's somebody who's got you know, a pretty squared away system, right? But I look at how the military has become the great great equalizer in terms of race and gender and pay. You know, when people are arguing over opportunities to minorities, obviously my family came into the military because they offered Filipinos an opportunity. Now, when my father came in, if you're a Filipino of color, you were a steward, you're a mess specialist, you weren't an engineer. But over time, as they integrated the military, as they opened up these classifications, my brother was able to go to college and become an electrical engineer and serve as a nuclear power engineer. I was able to go to the military medical school and become a physician and become physician of the President of the United States. So over time, those things change. You look at pay or they also currently the people argue about gender equality and gender the gender gap and pay in the military depending on your rank structure that dictates your pay be it male or female whatever your rank or your rating across the board your your gender does not influence that and so that's important to remember that the military has made great strides in that in terms of pay basis and merit and equality among the people there as well as as well as diversity they have come a long way 
So I think of the chain of command and how we treat our people. I think a sacrifice is a vital aspect of what we did in the military. As a military person, you you are you sacrifice from being separated from your family and your friends. You're told where you're being stationed. You have some input. But the government just tells you, know, the military tells you where to go. I mean, you're being stationed uh, two years in a particular place. You may not have a say. Or you may be sent to Afghanistan or Iraq. You're going. Can't, no argument. You're going. You signed, you raise your right hand, you're going to go. There are long hours. <clears throat> you work as long as it takes to get the job done. You risk dying. And so those are the major things. And I'm thinking about this coming week as we honor our veterans. My husband and I are actually going to be in Dallas this week on Thursday. We are going to be attending the Medal of Honor event in Dallas, honoring the surviving Medal of Honor recipients. We don't call Medal of Honor recipients winners. You don't call them Medal of Honor winners. You say they are recipients. And they are true heroes. They run towards danger, not away from it. And repeatedly, these are the people who have shown over and again their act of courage in saving others and saving lives. I've been very blessed to have met several surviving Medal of Honor recipients, and what strikes me over and over again about these men is their humility. They wear their country, our country's greatest honor, yet they are the most humble men I've ever met. The other thing I've learned about being a veteran is take care of your troops. You serve with them. They don't serve you. You serve together. And the general at headquarters is only as good as a private in the trenches carrying out the mission. So you take care of your people. And I think of that in private practice. I don't say somebody works for me. They work with me. We work together as a team. The other truism I believe in is you don't burn your bridges. It's a small military. You never know when, after you finish your duty assignment, uh, a year or two later, you can see those people again, and you just don't want to cross people. You just want to get along with people. No enemies. And the final truism I believe in that unites us in the military is this. We serve a higher purpose. We serve a purpose greater than ourselves. Where else are you going to sacrifice your life and get almost sometimes minimal wage, okay? We don't go into the military thinking we're going to make millions of dollars. We're in it for the money. We don't do that. We do it because we believe in helping this country and helping the, the mission and becoming part of something bigger than ourselves, and that's the military. And I really think in nowadays where a lot of times we have very few heroes, you can look to the military. You can look to the veterans and men and women in uniform, our Medal of Honor recipients, as truly the heroes that we can look up to in our country. So I th really think if each and every one of us identifies and aims for a higher purpose, something bigger than ourselves, your whole life will change. It'll guide you in the right direction and give you greater meaning. And I really, I, that's really a purpose that I strive for. You know, Dr. Connie, what do, you, what do you serve as a higher purpose? And somebody can ask me that. And I really believe that if I aim to make better every person I meet, every organization of which I'm a member, then I would have lived a good life. Every person I touch, every encounter, if I can somehow make it better or impact it in a positive way, I would have done my mission in this life. So as I wrap this up, I want to thank all the veterans out there for their service. I salute you for your sacrifice to duty, service, honor, and country. And I'm so blessed to have been part of the military as a part of my life. So to all the veterans out there, thank you. God bless you. God bless our men and women in uniform 
and those who have worn our country's uniform. And God bless all of you on this Veterans Day week. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.